It's Paul Hamilton. That's what they called me at college. It's the bone. He has the facts to back up his opinions. People ask me, well, how are the Sabres going to win tonight? I don't have a clue. On WGR Sports Radio 550. That's right. Anytime you get a, a beautiful, illustrious Paul Hamilton open, you're getting quality stuff. Not just the content of the opens, but of the man himself, as Paul Hamilton joins us now on the Western Hotline. Sabres season underway as Game 1 wasn't pretty, but it's also one of 82 games as we bring in Mr. Paul Hamilton. Paul, good afternoon to you. Or, yeah, Jeremy and Joe made me come up with an open song, like a like a goal song. So what, that's, what, that's what we do in the morning now. Okay, so so what do we have? Is it going to be a mix throughout the season? or No, no, I came up with one, uh, not one you probably would come up with yourself, um, Rock and Roll by Led Zeppelin. Okay, but it's it's you, though. So that that's the most important part. <laughs> it, it has to be Paul Hamilton. Like, I... I it better be that way. It's like Jeff Skinner yeah, yeah. picking pop song bangers. Like th- that's just what he is at this point. And so Paul Hamilton is going to pick probably the thing that I would think of the most when it comes to genre of music. So <laughs> sometimes I, with Jeff Skinner, I think it might be his sisters that pick his music <laughs> for him. <laughs> we need we need a method to the madness, Paul. I need you to ask him at this point. What he doesn't go- want to really talk about it. He, people have asked him. Uh, <laughs> What's know, the people, science? <laughs> people more than me get hung up on it. Some people ask me goal songs. I'm like, I have no idea what somebody because if somebody scores a goal, I'm watching a replay. I'm taking notes. I'm tweeting. The goal song is the last thing I'm paying attention to. So I like, you know, I may have heard the song 30 times during the year and I still wouldn't have a clue what it is. Paul Hamilton joining us here. Uh, Paul, not a pretty start for the Sabres. Obviously, you want to see a little bit more success from the uh, from the home opener there. But at the same time, it really just comes down to one question that this team may face throughout the course of the season, and that is. If teams are going to unleash the one-three-one, how are the Sabers going to best be able to adjust? Well, they weren't patient enough, and they better be patient tonight because the Islanders are—that's exactly what they're going to do. And the Islanders might be a better shot-blocking group than the Rangers, who blocked twenty-three shots against the Sabers. So, you know, I think they lost their patience. I think they got a little frustrated, and you know, you you can't skate through the neutral zone when you're facing the 1-3-1 because they'll choke you right off and you're not going to get the puck into the zone. Sometimes you just have to be simple. Uh, Don Granato was talking about this. You have to be simple, get it out of your end. If you get in the neutral zone, simple to get it into the offensive zone and in, in, uh, strategically placed into the offensive zone where you can get in behind the defense on the forecheck and then start your forecheck. And, and you have to be patient with that. And the game I always point to because it was so prevalent was last year at home against the Los Angeles Kings. It was 0-0 at the end of two periods because the Sabres did just that. They played patient. They didn't get too crazy. They didn't get, uh, you know, I can't believe we can't skate through the zone here. They did what they had to do. And how do you take them out of that structure? You score on them. And they scored the first goal early in the third period. They scored another one fairly quickly. Now the Kings have to break their structure. And the the Sabres had them. I think they had five that night. I think they got four or five by the time they were done. Because once they got the Kings out of the structure, the Sabres were the better team. 
Now the Sabres can play their style. Now they can do what they want to do and dictate play. So that's what you have to do sometimes when you're going to face that is just be patient and really strive to get the first goal. You always want to score the first goal. Statistics say by far you have a better chance of winning the game with the first goal than you don't. But against a team like the Rangers and the Islanders, I think you it's almost imperative because once you get the lead on them, and then if you can get that second one, now they no longer can play the style they want to play. And now you've got them. Paul, the other uh, the other main issue I, I really took away from this game, of course, being the penalty. I mean, not the penalty kill, the power play of more or less like it's more of this continued reliance on just using the outside. When even in the preseason, we saw them utilizing the middle a little bit more. Uh, predominantly Zach Benson um, in the middle there during the preseason. It just more or less looks back as uh, some of the frustrations of a power play unit that, yes, it was successful last year, but almost seems like there could be more. Darlene liked the power play, and we talked about it. And uh, in the interview I did with him for the pregame show later today, tonight, and what he liked about yeah, the Rangers blocked a lot of shots, but they moved it. And if you stop and think for a second, Skinner had the wide-open net hit the crossbar, and uh, Thompson got it locked and loaded three different times and missed the net all three times. I mean, so they found the open play and, you know, if Thompson gets that on net, we all know he's perfectly capable of blowing it by a goaltender, even a guy as good as Shesterkin. But we never got to find that out because he ripped three of them. I think all three were over the net, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, you know, so on, on the game, Thompson had three shots on net, three shots, three shots over the net, and then three shots that were blocked. So, you know, that was part of the problem, too. So if you boil it down... They had four glorious scoring chances, one at the crossbar, and three were blown over the net by their top score. So th- I think that's why Dowling liked it so much. Uh, Paul, Derek mentioned Benson, and it was his debut on Thursday. What did you think of his play, and what can he use moving forward for the rest of his possible nine games here or more? Yeah, I, I, you know what I liked is the Rangers had a game plan of all right, let's let's go get this little shrimp type of a thing. He's 18 years old. He's a little kid. Let's go knock him around a little bit. And Benson didn't care. He didn't care in the least. Um, you know, Don Granado brought up the one where Truba could have <laughs> really committed three penalties against him, cross-checked him, and the rest of it. And Benson just turned around and grabbed him and said, you know what, I'm not going to put up with this type of a thing. And he just bounced up. He didn't care that they were trying to knock him around or slash him or cross-check him or whatever. He just bounced up and did his thing. So overall, I think he had a pretty good game. I, Of course, on the shorthanded goal, I would like him to be more aware. I just think he didn't think Zibanejad had any chance at all of doing a pass from behind, a behind-the-back pass across crease to, to a Kreider. And Benson didn't cover Kreider. That's two of the Ranger goals that weren't an empty netter. So two of the four were basically with Sabres standing right there watching. The other one, uh, also by Kreider, early in the game, had Yoki Haru standing there watching. And, you know, that's something that is not a problem just popping up now. The awareness on this club for years, not just this group, but for years, is horrendous. At times, and they just have to, and, and that's not systems 
or anything like that. I'm not getting on the kid. I'm getting on Miyoki Haru more than I am Benson because Benson's 18 years old. I just don't think he thought Zibanejad had that pass, and so he's learning. Yoki Haru's played almost 300 games in the NHL. That's inexcusable for him to be standing there and, and oblivious to the guy standing next to him that scores the goal. And uh, so that that's something that they just have to clean up. But overall, I, I thought Benson was pretty good. I, I mean, I, he wasn't what we saw in preseason, nor did I expect him to be. Uh, preseason is against NHL players, AHL players, junior players. It's not a full NHL lineup. But I thought he accounted for himself okay. Yeah, I, I think that Benson overall was uh, one of my more impressive players there. And we'd heard um, after the game, Don Granado wasn't really getting the player specifics of who played well, who didn't play well, because he was more or less it was more or less just a, a team failure overall and a five one loss. But one of the players I was a little more impressed with here, Paul, um, back on Thursday, and I've continued to hear hype about him through the preseason and watching him on Thursday, Jordan Greenway. I thought he was very impressive and um, probably was one of the better Sabres forwards uh, on Thursday night. Yeah, and the thing is, is he played hurt the whole time he was here as a Sabre after the trade. He had hurt his shoulder, and that was that. He's healthy right now, so he's playing healthy, which I think helps, especially a, a player that needs to play the style that he needs to play. But uh, you saw it in preseason, and you saw it that you know he's pretty good at causing turnovers, getting in and getting in on a player quickly and making him make a play before he wants to make a play. And it winds up in a turnover. And actually, one of them, if you recall, turned into a nice goal in the preseason, a Thompson goal, where Greenway just got into the neutral zone, made him turn the puck over, quickly got it up to Thompson, who walked in and scored a nice goal. So, you know, a lot of those turnovers can lead to goals, but I thought he was hard on the forecheck. He wasn't bad getting back defensively either. I saw him break up some plays coming back defensively. So, you know, playing on a line with Benson and and Middlestad, if he continues to play like that, I think they have three different ingredients there on that line that can make a possible successful line. Speaking of line chemistry and the potential of sorts, I did not like how, uh, I mean, many people didn't, and the, even the advanced stats didn't like it. Uh, Victor Olofsson did not look very comfortable with uh, Cousins and Paterka. I liked him a lot better in preseason than I liked him in that, that game. It was more back to what we have seen for a long time from him, where if he doesn't score a goal, he he probably hurts the team more than helps them, and Really, if you look at it, Benson is the one that took advantage of Quinn being hurt. He doesn't play on the line that Quinn was on, but somebody had to take advantage of that and make the lineup. I thought, you know, as the summer came around, I, I thought Rosick would be the guy because he's such a good two-way player, and Rochester was their leading scorer, only because Byro got hurt, but was their leading scorer. And, um, you know, so I was, I was – you know, thinking, well, nobody really took this. So Olison kind of got the job by default because Kulik didn't look like he was ready for the NHL. Roseanne didn't look like he was ready for the NHL. Rosick was very disappointing at age 24 and didn't look like he was ready for the NHL. Uh, and Benson, you know, made the team. And it's like, okay, here's the one guy that's going to take the Quinn position as far as the roster spot. And Olison wound up being there by uh, default. So, 
you know, you, you, they they need more out of him. He had promised he was going to work on his game and come back with more, but and he wasn't the only one. But after game one, it wasn't there. Paul, it looks like Devin Levi will get the start tonight. What did you think of his game on Thursday, and uh, what he can do moving forward as well? Yeah, again, not bad. I mean, Yoki Haru leaves a guy in the crease wide open for uh, for a goal. If somebody wanted to have a conversation about the Panarin goal, I could have that conversation. Panarin came, was left open down the slot. This is one of the best shooters in the National Hockey League. I mean, he can wire a puck, and he did so on Levi. Now you can say you'd like to see a big save there if you want to, um, uh, and, and I would listen to that. So, you know, that goal is that goal. Um, the, the power play goal is a tip. You know, they got tipped in front, and, you know, it's, maybe it's going to hit them, maybe it's not when they wind up, wind up tipping the puck. So when, when I look at it, the overall, I thought his rebound control was a little bit off. I didn't think he was controlling rebounds the way he can, but it didn't cost him. You know, and the pucks didn't wind up in the net because of those rebounds. I, I, I am just a shade surprised um, that Comrie's not in goal. Only because, if you recall, at the end of March last year, he walked into Long Island and shut out the Islanders two to nothing, and played very, very well. So I thought maybe he might get the start in this game because of that. But when I think back, Don Granado doesn't necessarily take those things into account when they're discussing their goalie and who's going to be in net. And I mean, obviously Levi's not going to be tired. He had a day in between. He did take the optional morning skate today. He was out there. Most of the guys were. There are only a couple that weren't. So um, I don't think this is going to happen. But if they wanted to, they wouldn't have to play him until the 24th against Ottawa. That's the first back-to-back. They play at home on Monday and then in Ottawa on Tuesday. So, the, I mean, if they wanted to just run Levi out there, they could because they're playing every other day, and I don't think he he would get run down. But I would be shocked if they did that. I, 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 somebody's going to be in net before then. Paul Hamilton joining us on the West Her Hotline as Sabres and Islanders drop the puck at 7.30 tonight. We'll have pregame starting at 6.30 here. You'll be able to hear Mr. Hamilton along with Brian Koziel as pregame rolls along. Paul, when it comes to the goaltending position here as well, I mean, there are obviously like some fans that would possibly question, oh, great, we're carrying three goalies again. Why? Uh, but it more or less would look like, it's probably a good idea, if only for the longevity of the season for Devin Levi, who is in his first season, but also it's going to be the first time that he's going to be dealing not only with being goalie one in the pros, but also going through 82 games. Well, ideally, they wanted Lucan in to grab the number two position. He didn't do that in training camp. Quite honestly, if you, of the three goalies, Comrie was the best. I thought uh, if you go by performance – but obviously Levi is the number one, and um, I don't know who they think the number two is. Comrie dressed as the backup in the first game, so uh, I don't think they want to give up on a 24-year-old goaltender. I wouldn't want to either. I mean, there's if if they would have given up on 24-year-old Linus Allmark, he would not have done what he did last year when he was the best regular season goalie and won all sorts of awards for the Bruins and was just lights out until the playoffs rolled around. So sometimes with goaltenders, you have to let it go a little bit. And I wouldn't want to give up on a 24-year-old goaltender either, but Lukanen didn't come through in training camp and just grab that spot where they could say, okay, we're comfortable, we can trade Comrie and, and look at it that way. So 
Don, or Kevin Adams has said on the air more than once that having three goaltenders is not ideal because you only have 23 roster spots. So, you know, you got one extra D and one extra forward, and you, you really don't want to waste one on a goaltender, which is what they have to do now. So it's not ideal, but it's what they had to do. And once, uh, you know, Allmark, or I'm sorry, once uh, Lukanen and Comrie get their chance, we'll see what they've got there. And if one of them is ready, to grab that number two position. Paul, thank you for taking the time. We'll be able to hear you with Brian on the pregame tonight. And uh, enjoy your weekend, my friend. Anytime, guys. Enjoyed it. Paul Hamilton joining us there on the Western Hotline. The Sabres and Islanders will face off at 7.30 tonight. You'll be able to hear that here on WGR. So, TJ, you're going to be – brought in for the, your your first um, on-air trombone champing in the next segment. As long as, as there's no Buffalo Pepsi or anything I have to drink, I'm, I'm, I'm down for whatever. No, no. And, and this is a public service announcement um, because I can say this in my professional opinion. I got paid. I didn't get paid to drink Buffalo Pepsi, but I got paid while I was drinking you, Buffalo Pepsi. You were on Pepsi. the clock. I was on the clock and receiving money when I happen to be drinking that drink, and I'm going to use that term as liberally as possible because that is, uh, it's, it's actually a nightmare in a cup, and I no longer trust anybody that, uh, that enjoyed it, like legitimately. If, if someone says that it's a good drink, I don't trust you. This is how I feel about Bloody Marys, if we're being totally honest. <laughs> but that's beside the point. It is beside the point. Um, but, yeah, no, that is not something that we're going to do or ever do again. And because uh, even, like, someone brought up the stipulation of, like, what if they win the Super Bowl? Yeah, don't care. Would rather drink something out of a boot a la Josh Allen than I would ever drink that abomination again. But speaking of abominations, we go around the league next right here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Welcome back, Sports Talk Saturday. Derek Kramer, TJ Luckman here with you as we we keep up the vibes. That's what that's what we like to do here. We try to take a page out of the Sabers book and uh, and be the vibes team here at WGR. And what it, I don't know what's going on with TJ that he just face desked, but um, they can't see me. Don't. Don't make them perceive me. <laughs> Let me put my head down in peace. <laughs> First of all, if someone faced us, it makes me think I did something wrong. No, no, no. You did nothing wrong. You did nothing wrong. I just needed my face on the desk for a second while you spoke. And I was taking a minute, but now we're here. We're talking about it. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> No, please I'm do a, your show. I'm a storyteller. That's what that's what we do here. Um, but now, though, it is time to do the thing that we always do every week. We go around the NFL. We look at the games, the good, the bad, and the chump. But we started off obviously London again, getting football games that we we should not get. Baltimore, Tennessee. 
Um, I I hope that everyone comes out of this healthy. I hope everyone has a good time. I hope everyone has a time. <laughs> I don't even know if they have to have a good time, but I hope they have a time and that nobody leaves on a cart. That at this point, that's all you can really hope for out of a London game in which they are putting turf on top of the grass. Yeah, right? Like, I under... I understand why they're doing it, but I it's also just I, don't say you can host an NFL game and be like, oh, by the way, you can't use our our grass. We don't want you ripping up our grass for the soccer players. Right. No and disrespect just, to soccer players, but that the way you dig in is different and all that. I get that. I just don't think it should cut them at a – I don't think it should come at a cost for the NFL players who are going overseas to play a game. It's not a home game. Like, you're already asking them to do a lot. And then on top of that, you're like, you're going to play on this turf that we know you guys aren't happy about. Cool. And not to mention, turf around the league still is causing a sour note. for. It's a hot-button issue. It's a hot-button issue, and it's made worse by this. So, um, yeah, the only other thing I could possibly hope for here is that the Tennessee Titans look completely unspectacular and lose. Uh, Anyway, moving on here, Washington Washington in Atlanta. The Falcons are the strangest team in the league, I think. They are the weirdest 3-2 and two team. Desmond Ritter is not good, but yet they have a winning record. And I don't know how to logic my way out of this. One correlation, though, is they're 3-0 at home. And they're home here against Washington. I got nothing on this Yeah, one. the I, Falcons uh, are weird. The Falcons are the Falcons. Washington, we've already seen. Just, just not a game I'm looking at, really. <laughs> it's, it's like your mid game of of the week here. I think like sure. there's nothing more middling. Mid uh, is a compliment. I yes, think, in this case. But again, Washington gives up sacks like no tomorrow. Uh, so that like you can understand why Washington is two and three. Yes. I cannot understand how the Falcons have three wins on the season. I just don't understand it. Uh, Minnesota, Chicago, speaking of teams that you can pinpoint why they don't have wins, uh, Minnesota looks like the unluckiest team all of a sudden after one year of closing out all of their close games. Uh, Now they're feeling the other end of that stick, and it's not been pretty. Chicago kind of cleaned it up a little bit. I mean, good for them. They got their first win last week. They come here on, I do believe, a long rest a bit. They had 10 day. Justin Fields has been looking a little bit better. Justin Fields woke up after facing the Broncos defense. That's right. That's right. Um, so, again, how does Vance Joseph have a job? That remains beyond me. Uh, but uh, the Bears, maybe there's high-flying fireworks here because the Vikings don't have themselves a steady group on defense. The Bears also have one of the worst defenses in the league. Seattle-Cincinnati, this one has my interest. I don't know if Joe Burrow is back, back, but it's definitely looking better for the Bengals. That said, you're facing a little bit stiffer competition than the Cardinals. Yeah, the Seahawks, you know, they bring a good defense in here, but I still can't get a real good read on the Bengals yet. Like, they've, they're have they looking at their schedule. They're, they've lost to the Ravens, to the Titans, the Browns. I, I, I just don't – I can't get a read on what the problem is there. I know Joe Burrow's been dealing with an injury there, but – We'll see what happens against the Seahawks because they certainly, again, are not the Cardinals, but they'll be at home. And the other thing that's been going on with the Bengals is both of their wins this year have been against the NFC. Okay. So there's your fun little correlation. So that's no that's no good for them in the long run. Uh, I mean, in the long run, but this week it certainly would help if they try to get themselves back to 3-3. Three and three. Yes. 
Carolina and Miami. Oh, dear God. Um, someone help the Panthers. Poor it's Carolina. not going to be good. And um, Carolina, not only struggling on offense themselves, now has to face the buzzsaw known as the Dolphins. Have fun, Carolina. Um, it, I don't know if they're... Now I need to look at their upcoming schedule and see, like, when's the next time I can see them potentially getting a win? I mean, you could look at the Texans, Colts, and Bears. Those are their next three games. Maybe they get one of those. But, man, they paid a heavy price for Bryce Young, and it is going to be a bit of suffering to go through it. Oh, that's a quote. That's a quote. But, yeah, um, I don't really know. The Dolphins, like you said, are a buzzsaw. Uh, their offense it seems to be, you know, back on track since Buffalo. But, you know, I don't really know what the Panthers really are offering right now. I think they're throwing Bryce Young out to the Wolves at this point. I don't know if he's the guy they should have picked anyway. There's a whole conversation to be had about that. But it's the other thing though it's is looking that, like they could be in the conversation for another quarterback once the draft rolls around at well, the end of the year. Problem is, they don't have the first-round pick. Oh, that's right. That is property of the Chicago Bears. Who also could be looking for a quarterback. Or somebody to help Justin Fields, depending on how that season goes. Yeah. And if the Panthers end up the worst team in the league, the Bears can trade back again in back-to-back tra- back-to-back drafts if Fields stabilizes out. Because then that trade gets even worse for Carolina if there's a boon from a trade back from the Bears trading that pick. Especially if you can get a bunch of cheap, good options from that draft for your quarterback who you hope is the guy. Exactly. Uh Indianapolis and Jacksonville, this one has plenty of intrigue. A little less intrigue now that Anthony Richardson is out. Uh, He's been placed on IR with the designation to return, but he's going to miss at least four games, and this would be the first of them. Jacksonville, I've got to hand it to them with how well they got the rushing game going last week, but at the same time, I still think the Bills beat themselves, so I don't know how good the Jaguars are quite yet. But here's your fun fact of the day. This one is for first place in the AFC South. I think the Jags are for real. I think... Because Trevor Lawrence is coming up, and he's coming up with great plays seemingly out of nowhere. So I think it in the quarterback realm, they're set. Um, as a team, I think they've come a long way from where they were at maybe a couple years ago. Uh, when they beat the Bills, when Urban Meyer beat and then and then beat the Bills, um, so I saw a lot of people saying this is just like that game year, uh, a couple years back. I wasn't totally there. It wasn't a total dud of a performance. It could have been better. Could However, I do think the Jags are for real. That they have the the team to go, especially they can go up against the Colts here, uh, especially if they don't have Anthony Richardson. I, I do think that's a Jaguar. Well, oddly enough, against Anthony Richardson, um, these two teams did square off that's in true. week one, and it was a Jaguars win, uh, 31-21. to 21. Richardson did look promising right away there. Yep. Uh, if Gardner Minshew can keep up what has been decent play so far, the Colts can pose an interesting threat against Jacksonville. Uh, staying in the AFC South, though, the Houston Texans take on a uh, – an interconference South team as New Orleans comes to town. New Orleans has a really good defense. They really kind of muck things up, make things a little boring. This could be a tough challenge here for CJ Stroud, who has been easily the best first round quarterback. Um, the number two overall selection really starting to thrive a little bit here. He'll be tested, but this gives Houston a chance to sit at three and three, which if you look at that team from a year ago, man, uh, what a, what a vast improvement already 
for the Houston Texans. That's big for them. C.J. Stroud has looked great. D'Amico Ryans has been a good coach for them. Like, let's see what they can do. Oh, yes. <laughs> Welcome to the worst football game that may ever play. The New England Patriots and the Las Vegas Raiders. I hope Mark Schofield is not turning in, tuning in right now because um, now it's time to make fun of them. What is it? The, the opposite of the unstoppable force? That, so stoppable force, movable <laughs> object. Movable object. It's, this could go... It, it's a game where you, like, you think Mac Jones should have a good day against the uh, I was going to say the or the Oakland Mac, or the Mac Jones clone Bailey Zappi oh that's true that's true you never know Are they, is there a decision <laughs> there yet I don't even know I don't want to know what's going on I love that there's a quarterback controversy between that because who among us hasn't experienced that kind of quarterback controversy over our lifetimes yeah no we town? would have we would have no idea but, what they're dealing with there anyway that no this is, idea and then there's the Las Vegas Raiders, yeah. who are the latest team to be like, hey, let's copy the Patriots and bring one of their assistants in, even though there's no Brady to come along with this Belichick assistant. Because even Belichick is struggling now without Brady. And, man, the fact that he's had the worst loss of his career, coaching career with the Patriots, and then now the second worst in consecutive weeks. The Vegas Raiders have a chance to do something hilarious, is basically what I would say. I it's I do wonder, are they talking are people talking about Bill Belichick being on the hot seat, or is he just a guy that's just gonna be allowed to gracefully it's, it's, retire? Yeah, no, this is gonna be a mutually parting ways <laughs> right, right. at worst. Right. Um at the end of this season. But he's if he gets fired mid season, man, I want the spicy tell all. I doubt he gets fired midseason. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like a thing. It would be such an unceremonious end. Right. Exactly. All right. But yeah. Still, it just—it's it's, it's a thing that's just been rumbling around my mind. It's just like, can that guy be fired? Like, yes, probably. But can it be weird? Can it be now? Like, is that a thing that's rolling around? I don't know. No. I don't. Know. I. I. I, I, would I doubt like, it. I would like to think that they have decorum because if they do that to Bill Belichick. Who accepts a job there? Well, someone it's does. A, it's a, it's a yeah. It's, it's one does. of thirty-two. Yeah. Somebody would. But. Someone does, but it's just like you're getting a David Coley for a year. Sure, that would be awful. Anyway, back to games that probably don't stink. Um, Arizona against the Los Angeles Rams. Rams have been an interesting team so far. They went through everything and back last season with the injuries and everything like that they started off with probably the biggest dud when the bills blew the doors off and it didn't get better for them uh now this year they've been still dealing with some injuries still dealing with a little bit of the rebuilding on the fly sort of thing that they've had to do they're they're at least fun again they're they're a decent football team to to watch um arizona probably the scrappiest one in four team of the bunch like, if you look at the Vikings, the Bears, and the Giants, for example, you're like, okay, none of you are threats. Arizona at least could put a scare into another team of, oh, are we really going to lose this game? So I think the Cardinals are at least, they're gutsy, to say the least. And I do believe this is the national game this week on Fox, uh, Philadelphia against the New York Jets. I mean, I think I already know where my rooting interest laid. Zach Wilson, you're not allowed to ruin anyone else's little day, okay? <laughs> 
you ruined ours on one Monday night, and I would like to keep it that way. I, I feel like with as much film as there is now on him, that the Eagles will somehow make their way. But you cannot count out that New York Jets defense. It's I know. It's too good. It is, it is. It is too good to have a second-year cornerback who's already this lockdown guy, was as a rookie. And on top of that, you have uh, Robert Sala leading up that defense. Um, the, the mastermind behind it, if you will. They still have C.J. Mosley. They have a great line. Like, that's a tough defense. So I never want it, to count the Jets it's out. It's a defense that is undeserving of its current fate, which is a second straight year of Zach Wilson under center. Right. And um, Because of turf. Again. Well, now that this one was less turf. It was uh, Leonard f- Floyd's entire body went, went on to his, his, his uh, Achilles. But still. Yeah. But, but it, still. it's just a weird football injury that Always happens. those weird ones. And um, no, no. Trey Davis, white Achilles, we can blame on turf. Oh, 100%. Uh, that, one, that one we can go ahead and set some turf on fire uh anyway moving on detroit tampa bay this one seems interesting i think this one could be a fun game baker mayfield has been solid enough under center for the buccaneers and what else can you say right now about the uh, detroit lions first of all love this for our guy joe yurden true True. Shout out to Joe. Yeah. Shout out to Joe Yurden, uh, who always, our, our noted jerk. Who even when it, when we say this, he's he just says, <laughs> just 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 watch, something will happen. So I hope nothing happens. I hope this is fun. It seems fun for the Lions, and that's really all that matters. Especially with Dan Campbell, who seems like a a guy that I don't know. He's he just seems uh, I don't want to say down to earth I want to say anything but but in the most complimentary way because this is the way he's, <laughs> he's able not to the rally normal coach right right exactly that's probably the biggest compliment um, you can give us he's not a normal NFL coach and then with Tampa with the Baker Mayfield story there I do want him relatively to be successful because of what happened in Cleveland yeah. and everything how not, he was out there like just truly truly. I don't think he's any sort of special guy or anything at this point, but it's like I just want the Browns to look at that and go, ah, maybe we shouldn't have given up and gone with this other guy that we have. This other guy who, by the way, I don't know how I ended up skipping this game, but San Fran Cleveland uh, in the 1 o'clock slate. Uh, Deshaun Watson not only being given all this guaranteed money is not playing again. Oh, no. Darn. What a shame! Oh, and even when he was playing, he wasn't. He hasn't shucks. been that good this year. Uh, I do wish he was playing so that he could get absolutely ragdolled by the San Francisco 49ers, a team that once again just will not lose with Brock Purdy unless there's just catastrophic injury. Well, yeah. No, there's there's no again. That team Ooh. is by far and away the best right now in the NFL. Oh, this is the best in terms of who's going to disappoint somebody. Uh, Monday night is the Chargers and Cowboys. Two teams who cannot get out of their own way to save those. Oh, my God. This is going to be... I already know how this one's going to end. Mike McCarthy's going to get bailed out by Brandon Staley because one coach is going to do something dumber than the other. And and Dallas is the one coming in with the... (laughs) I don't want to say chip on your shoulder, but they did just get demolished uh, last Sunday night. So I feel like Mike McCarthy will have something to prove in this one. And... And better yet, Brandon Staley... In two straight weeks, has escaped dumb decisions. So who will escape the dumb decisions this week? That's the story of that game. There's no way you can get it in threes. Um, no. 
I think that the Cowboys will end up winning. It's just I cannot wait to see how the Chargers charger this one. <laughs> that's going to be my fascinating look at that one. If there's anything that's never changed, it's that. It's the Chargers chargering. Um, I said it a couple weeks ago. I don't know what disappoints harder, uh, millennials to their parents or the Los Angeles Chargers. And uh, and I stay by that statement. So, anyway, that's uh, that's the uh, that's around the NFL. We come back. We put a pretty little bow on our show for the weekend. And I don't know what else. I don't. I, I was trying to come up with something. I've got nothing. You're gonna have to find out what we talk about here in the last segment of Sports Talk Saturday, right here on WGR. <laughs> Welcome back. Final segment of Sports Talk Saturday here. Derek Kramer, TJ Luckman here with you. Thanks for hanging out with us all day today as we've been talking some bills, some sabers, and I almost forgot the weekly segment of the Booty Cheek of the Week. Oh, and it's a Booty Cheek. It is quite Booty Cheeks. Um, And I've got to give it to the NHL. Uh, Thanks, NHL, for once again not only not knowing how to constantly market your product – but also um, recreating a story that you didn't need to. And look, if you wanted to protect the few of players that wanted to be outspoken against certain Jersey Knights and everything like that, that's fine. Um, you did that during the offseason, and I think the conversation had ended at that point. But then you went ahead and recreated it by basically making it of. I don't care what you do off the ice, but don't you do, like we're not doing anything anymore. We're banning all sorts of activism on the ice. It's the NHL's own version of "Don't Ask, Don't Tell." Yes, and it's like, why bother? It's one of those things where, yeah, you could protect some of those few players that were, you know, making a bigger deal out of wearing a jersey, which had never happened in years past, by the way. Yep. Until Ivan Provorov decided he had had enough, but. Um, yeah, no, banning the pride tape. Look, I know there's going to be some sports fans that are going to not care about what we say about this right now, but it's quite frankly, it's garbage that they decided to do that and basically recreate the story again. It's another decision from a league that has always that's it's it's never seen the the bigger picture and has always flocked towards the vo- more vocal minority of people who are raising issues on it, which that shouldn't be the case. There are plenty of more people who do support it. There's plenty of players who have already said, uh, at least uh, a Philadelphia Flyers player has said he's just going to wear uh, use the tape anyway. He'll buy it himself. Pride Tape has said that they would. Uh, Scott Laughlin of the Flyers yep. has said he'll already he'll be doing it anyway. Which like you're setting up a situation where. Uh, guys are going to make a story out of you because of this. Yeah, and, and it's it, just shooting yourself and in what the are foot. You gonna, and so what are you going to do when that comes? You're going to find the guy for having tape on his, for rainbow tape on, his, tape on his stick because he wants to show support for it, LGBTQ+. Yeah. It just like, come on. Again. What are we doing here? You're recreationally shooting your own foot. That's what you're doing. 100%. Like, you're doing this for fun. And then you're jumping around and everyone's pointing and laughing at you 
And that's what's going to happen again. Because like you said, when a player finally does it, that's going to be the uh, the response of what do you do now? You're going to be forced to make a decision as a league. What do you do? They just ignored your rule and your edict. Are you going to find someone for that? Yeah. And if you do, how much of a clown organization or league do you look like for that to happen? It's especially for what it stands for. It doesn't stand for anything violent. It stands for acceptance. It stands for inclusivity in your sport, which is something that you've said for years. You can for play. a league yeah. that is terrible at bringing in new fans. You don't do things that take away a chance for new fans. It's so easy. And yet the NHL cannot get out of their own way. Will not. It's not cannot anymore. It is very much a choice and will not. So congratulations to the National Hockey League for an award that is only being said on a Saturday show in Buffalo. But it is your booty cheek of the week, National Hockey League. I can't wait to give this back to you um, in a couple months probably. So there we go. Booty Cheek of the Week, the National Hockey League. And with that, we put a pretty little bow on our Sports Talk Saturday. Thank you to everyone that listened. Thank you to Mark Schofield of SB Nation joining us in the first hour. Paul Hamilton joining us shortly thereafter, um, earlier actually in this hour. If you want to listen to those segments, you can always listen to them on demand at WGR550.com. And on the Odyssey app, you can use the Rewind feature up to 24 hours. So if you've been listening and you want to listen back on TJ talking about his uh, Skyrim achievements, we can always have that as well. Thank you to everyone that listened. Thank you to everyone and our guests, and thank you, TJ, for joining for the first time that you're ho- you've been helping to co-host here on a Sports Talk Saturday. Loved it. Thank you for having me. And thank you, everyone. Have a good weekend. Go Bills. Go Sabers. Enjoy the weekend. And Dan, you got any you got any music to to pop us out of here? I always like I always like getting the good vibes back out to get us into the weekend. Sabres pregame starts at 6.30 with Brian Koziel. You'll hear Paul Paul Hamilton as well. Thanks for listening. This is WGR.